more round of applause to the Lord tonight. Oh, hallelujah, Lord. Praise your name, Lord God. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your name, Lord. Oh, thank you, Lord. We worship you and we praise you, God. We love you, Jesus. Praise the name of the Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, your name's above every other. Thank you, Lord. I don't know why I carried this mask up here, I guess, to look appropriate. I did hear a nasty rumor that Sister Andrea might have bubonic plague, though, so that's a good reason to wear that. That's a joke. Very funny one, yeah, wasn't it? Yeah. All right, that's enough of my lousy jokes. I got just a little uh, echo or something going on here, brother. I don't know if you can uh, fix that right away or not. I'm going to be reading from the uh, book of Exodus in just a moment here. And uh, we've had some good preaching of the Word, some good ministry in, in recent weeks. And I will say that uh, my attention was especially captured when Brother Tim Green was here. And some of the thoughts that he brought forth in regards to the present situation we're in and how he related that to uh, the Israelites uh, when they were being chased by Pharaoh and they were getting up close to the, the Red Sea. I still got something, Brother Poole. You're probably working on that. No, no problem. Are you hearing that out there or is it just up here? Oh, it's just me. Okay. Well, that's all right. I can deal with that. Leave it to my dear brother Scott. I love that brother sometimes. No, I love that brother. He's one of the few people in this world that uh, comes from exactly where I come from and has witnessed the same things I have and experienced so many of the same things. And uh, thank God for him. Sorry I don't see your family. I miss the announcements. Is uh, brother and sister Cronenberg doing okay? Dad and Kenny are sick. Okay, well, we'll remember them in prayer. Um, but but my thoughts were really captured when Brother Green was here, and and uh, and he he was relating again the 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 events that we're facing right now, and we have been for months on end with the children of Israel as they were being pursued by Pharaoh, and they got up to the Red Sea. They were surrounded by enemies on all sides, and they didn't know uh, exactly what they were supposed to do. They had been prophesied to uh, by the Lord about things that were going to happen. And really all they had to do was trust God and continue following after Him. What well, was the gist of it. But uh, tonight's message, and some of it goes hand in hand too with the te teaching of our pastor on Psalm chapter 91, at least a few uh, glimpses throughout this message and dwelling in the secret place. And, uh, but I'm going to be reaching, why, why don't we just stand here, I'll stop blubbering on, I'm going to be reading from Exodus chapters 5 and 6, the last two chapters, chapters, the last two verses of Exodus chapter number 5, verses uh, 22 and 23, Brother Kyle Emmert, God bless you, amen, he was working some long hours today, that wasn't, I didn't mean to embarrass you, but uh, he gets up at the crack of dawn, goes to work, and sometimes he has some long days, as, as, as many of us do. But it's good that he still made it to the house of the Lord uh, tonight. Thank God. Amen. Exodus chapter 5 and the last two verses, verses uh, 22 and 23. And then I'm reading in chapter 6 all the way through verse number 7. Beginning at verse number 22 of chapter 5. And Moses returned unto the Lord and said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh... To speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither hast thou delivered thy people at all. Chapter 6. Then the Lord said unto Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses and said unto him, I am the Lord. And that's all uh, capital letters there. That's the... the Tetragram or Tetragrammaton, they call it, Y-H-W-H, the name of the Lord, whenever we see all those capital letters there. Um, some 
it, the, the pronunciation of that today, not exactly known. Um, in Hebrew, they, they'll think of it as, as Yahweh, but there are many who say the pronunciation of that would indeed be Yehovah. And in English, that's the way uh, we would describe that. For the remainder of this message, I will simply say Jehovah or Jehovah. I am the Lord, verse 3, and I appeared to Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty, or El Shaddai. But by my name, Jehovah, now here it says it all in capital letters, was I not known to them. And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Wherefore, say, Moses, this is the Lord speaking to Moses, say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, I am Jehovah, and I will bring you out from under the burden of the Egyptians, and I will rid you out of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments, and I will take you to me for a people, and I will be to you a God and ye shall know that I am Jehovah, the Lord, your God, which bringeth you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I just want to call our attention back to uh, verse number 5. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. He said, I have remembered my covenant. They were facing opposition upon all sides, as far as they could see. The burden upon them was heavy. And we have many people in our own midst right now that feel like they're facing some, some opposition. They're certainly facing enemies from, from various different places. Enemies of the world, perhaps opposition on the job. Enemies attacking health of a number of people. Spiritual opposition that can afflict people's minds and, and result in fear and anxiety and, and health problems as well. And I simply want to remind us tonight that every man, every woman, every child is infinitely valuable in the eyes of God. But when we are in covenant relationship with Him, we are even more special in His eyes. And I'm entitling this message, A Special Covenant. Lord, I pray over the Word tonight uh, I do pray, God, that you'd help me, Lord, to uh, deliver this word that I believe you've laid upon my heart. Help me, God, just to say things that, that mention. I pray for your people tonight, that, that they'd be blessed, Lord, that they'd be edified, that they'd be nourished upon your word, oh God, and that they'd be the better for it, Lord, receiving your word, God. Let every heart be open. Let every ear be open to hear and to receive your word. Tonight we pray in the name of Jesus Christ the Lord. Everybody said in Jesus' name. Jesus' name, you may be seated. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. And the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the waters. The creation account that we have in the book of Genesis, you realize, is merely three chapters. In the Bible that I'm holding right here, that takes up about two and three-quarters pages, and that's it. And this account has to believe, be believed by me as a matter of faith. Uh, there is no possible experimentation that can be set up to, to recreate the uh, scenario when there was absolutely nothing and God created something from it uh, that cannot be uh, replicated. There's no experimentation that can be set up to prove creation. And more importantly, there can be no experimentation set up scientifically to disprove creation. But God has recorded for us as much as we need to know in this two and three quarters pages, no more and no less. Everything that I need uh, to know is right here. And I have to believe it, and my believing that is a matter of faith. The same thing could be said for people that choose to believe in spontaneous generation, that there was nothing, then there was some kind of uh, cell, and then some big explosion, and all of a sudden life came into being. 
the same can be said for people that believe in evolution as far as uh, one being transitioning into or mutating into some greater life form and some more intelligent life form and some intelligent life form beyond that. It requires faith and even more faith uh, to believe that, but it requires faith to believe uh, the account of creation. It is very important for us to believe this account of creation. There are plenty of things within the account of creation I wish were explained in a little bit more detail. I wish were explained in a little more detail. But God's revealed to us exactly as much as we need to know. We don't need to spend uh, tons of time dwelling upon that, although there is very much uh, that we can uh, think about. He didn't share all of the details, but he did share plenty of details that we can look into and we can verify with things of science, true science, in the present world in which we live. But more than that, in the Word of God, what He has captured for us are some things about this Creator. This Creator who created the heaven and the earth, who created mankind, who created everything that is in the world, everything that is in existence today. We know from Scripture that before anything had ever been created, that God is, that God always was, before there was a heaven, before there was an earth. It's hard for me to wrap a human mind around this fact, but God existed. He is the self-existent one. He was around at the very beginning. The Bible says before Abraham was, I am, Jesus said, but before the earth was, I am, just as well. Psalm chapter 90, verse number 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever thou hast formed the earth and the world, even from everlasting to everlasting, thou art God. And he did not need any help with this creation, this massive uh, undertaking. I can't even wrap my mind around the, 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 the greatest undertaking that I could possibly take on myself doesn't even, is not even a speck in comparison to what God has done with creation, and that was easy for him. He did it in six days. He spoke things into existence, and then he rested on the seventh day. Just as an example, he didn't need rest on that seventh day, but as an example for man. He worked for six days, and then he rested upon the seventh day. He needed no help in this act of creation. Isaiah 44, he says, I am the Lord that maketh all things, that stretcheth forth the heavens alone, that spreadeth abroad the earth by myself. We know that he is one God. We know that he is one single entity and one personage. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Bible tells us there's one God and Father of all who's above all and through all and in you all. And this one God is omnipotent. He created something out of nothing. Nobody can do that. Nobody can recreate an experiment for, to create one blade of grass out of nothing and poof, there it is. A, a magic trick. Uh, you, you, might, you might want to compare that to. I'm not, not advocating magic here. But this omnipotent God, only this omnipotent God, could create something out of nothing. Job 26, 7 says, He stretched out the north over the empty place and hangeth the earth upon nothing. 1 Chronicles 29, 12, In thine hand is power and might, and in thine hand it is to make great and to give strength unto all. Jeremiah 32, 17, Our Lord God, behold, thou hast made the heaven and the earth by thy great power and stretch that arm, and there is nothing too hard for thee. And Jesus said, and it's recorded more than once, that with God all things are possible because he is omnipotent. He has all power, and not only does he have all power, he has all knowledge. He is an omniscient God, and he has always been an omniscient, an omniscient God, just as well as he is now as, as at the time of creation. Job 34, 21, for his eyes are upon the ways of man, and he seeth all his going. Psalm 139, verse 4, for there is not a word in my tongue, but lo, O Lord, thou knowest it all together. That's in the here and in the now. Romans chapter 11, verse 33, oh, the depth 
of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. He knew exactly what he was doing when he made you. And he knew exactly what he was doing when he created this entire world that we can observe. John chapter 1, verse number 1 says, In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. And that Word is referring, as many of you know here, pastors taught many times, that Word, Word is logos. It is a thought. I cannot be separated from my thoughts. You can't be separated from your thoughts. Your thoughts are who you are. But from the very outset, from the very beginning of creation, God had this master plan in his mind that was going to unfold, both on the grand scale and to the most uh, minute detail. On the grand scale, he knew where he was going to position the planets, the sun, the stars, the constellations, so people could uh, navigate. And he knew uh, exactly how many hairs were going to be upon your head. He knew that he was going to create you specifically, that you were going to be walking upon the face of this earth. In the 21st century, he even created the fish, that one single fish that was going to have the coin in its mouth and be up near the seashore just in time for the disciples of Jesus to grab it so they could take the coin out of its mouth and pay that tribute. He had the broad scale in his plan. He knows the end from the beginning. He's the alpha and the omega. And he even had the minute details of your life and mine in his mind, in this logos, in this thought from the very beginning. If we look at that creation account in the book of Genesis, in the beginning God created the heaven and the earth. On the first day he created uh, light. There, were, there was light and he divided the, the light from darkness called the, the, the light day. He called uh, the darkness night. Second day, there were firmaments that he created, and he divided them, a lower firmament and an upper firmament. But then on the third day, he created dry land, earth, from the midst of these waters. Not muddy land. It was dry land that he created. And he created seas, and he created grass, and the herb-yielding seal, uh, the herb-yielding seed, and the tree-yielding fruit. It says, after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so. And in every one of these things, please notice, in the dry land earth, there are all sorts of minerals and things that man over the years can extract for his use. In the sea, there are all, there's all sorts of food and plants and minerals that man can extract and utilize for his use, these natural uh, resources. In the grass, in the herb-yielding seed, there, there are various mineral things that can be used for medicinal purposes, things that can be utilized uh, for, for nutrition, things that can be utilized uh, for, for, for other reasons. And so it stands to reason, we see, the reason that these really were created was for something that God had further in mind, something that was going to be created that was of greater importance than these things. We move along unto the, the fifth day, and we see that moving creatures uh, were created. Uh, uh, moving creatures in the seas, fowls uh, flying in the air, living creatures that move and are brought forth from the water were created. And then finally on the sixth day, uh, there were the cattle, the domestic animals. There were creeping things, reptiles, in other words, and there were beasts of the earth, in other words, wild animals that were created upon that sixth day. But there was yet an even greater creation that was going to take place upon that sixth day. And this was something that was far more special to God than anything else, than any majestic mountain, than any beautiful rainbow, than any spectacular sunset that he had created. And that was when he created mankind. He created man in his own image, chapter 1 and verse number uh, 27 uh, tells us. Why were all these things created? Revelation 4.11 says, For thou hast created all things, and for thy pleasure they are and they were created. All these things were created for God's pleasure. But there was nothing that was going to bring God pleasure so much as the man that he formed with his own hands. Man was special for a number of reasons, and one is exactly that. The only thing that he formed with his own hands, rather than speaking into existence was man. 
The only creature able to appreciate the beauty of creation, a sunset, a rainbow that I just mentioned, is man. The only creature able to utilize all the innumerable natural resources that God deposited and planted in the seas, in the dry land of the earth, was man. The only spirit being that God created in the natural world was man. Yes, he created angels, so I specified in the natural world. He created man that had a spirit, a spirit that rules over his soul, and a soul under subjection then that will rule the body in one way or another. That spirit that man possesses, that no other animal has, that no other creature of God's creation has, has a free will because God's greatest longing is for voluntary fellowship from the only creature that was created in his image. We are the only creature. That's another thing that separates us from the rest, that were created in the image of God. And man had to be created in his image. Man had to be created in God's image to partake of God's life. This applied to all mankind, including the coming Messiah, Jesus Christ. God was not going to indwell his spirit in some creature that physically did not represent the spirit being almighty God. It had to be a man that was created in his image. Man had to be created in the image of God to partake in the fellowship that God desires. God does not want to have an army of robots that he, that he has uh, fellowship with, with all the warmth and compassion of a Coke machine. He desires fellowship with with man. He desires fellowship with beings that have a free will, that can choose to become sons, that can choose to become heirs of him, that can choose to become children of this deity. We had to be as much like the creator as possible. And this fact, along with the hope of becoming sons and heirs of God, gives us, every one of us, infinite value. One single life, because of being created in the image of God, makes your life and mine more valuable than the whole world. Man was created for the express purpose of pleasing God more than anything else in creation by our choosing willfully to be in close, voluntary fellowship with our Creator. Now, this fellowship was disturbed at the fall of man when Adam uh, partake of that forbidden fruit, and man's spirit was separated from God. And so God had a plan, along with this, these thoughts of creation, he had a plan for restoration of this disturbed fellowship from the very beginning, uh, from the very outset. He had a plan to restore that fellowship, and hence we can refer to Jesus Christ as the lamb slain from the foundation of the world because this was his plan from the very beginning, and this plan for restoration involved covenant relationship. Every human life is special to God because it has the potential for that close fellowship, that close relationship with God that God deeply desires. But although all human life is special to God, when we are in covenant relationship with Him and continue following after Him, faithfully walking in His Spirit, we become even more special to Him. We go up a tier, up a notch, if you will. A man's son or daughter is more special to him, Brother Drake, than just another child. You see your own child. There's a connection you have there. There's an affinity you have for that child than for just some other child that you see walking around because that's of your blood. That's your lineage. There's a closer connection. There's a closer uh, relationship there. And God looks upon us uh, the same way. John chapter 1, verse 12, as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God. Romans 8, 14, as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are uh, the sons of God. And if I might get back now to, toward our, our scripture text uh, in the book of Exodus, I want us to know that Israel was a child of God. In chapter 4 and verse number 22, God instructed Moses, tell Israel 
excuse me, tell Pharaoh that Israel is my son, even my firstborn. And just for a little context, if we get to the beginnings of the book of Exodus here, we are closing, we've closed out the chapter of Genesis, obviously, and the reign of Joseph as prime minister, if you will, of Egypt, the one and only superpower in the world. Joseph had been sold into slavery by his brothers. Uh, he was imprisoned after being falsely accused by Potiphar's wife, but then he interpreted a dream for Pharaoh. Pharaoh is not a, a proper name, incidentally, that is a title. There are many pharaohs uh, throughout Scripture. Pharaoh simply is the supreme uh, leader of Egypt at that time. And when Joseph interpreted this dream for Pharaoh, he was elevated to be the number two person in all the land of Egypt. Uh, the only person that could overrule him would have been Pharaoh himself. But I didn't read in Scripture, at least I don't recall off the top of my head, places in which he did that. But as we move into the book of, of Exodus, a new normal, if you will, as, as Brother Green said, entered into the picture. The Pharaoh that elevated Joseph to prominence was no longer in charge. There was a new Pharaoh in town. There was a new sheriff in town. And he didn't much care uh, for these Hebrews, these Israelites. In fact, he was fearful of them. They were great in number. He was concerned about uprisings, uh, unfounded as that may have been, amongst these Israelite people. And so these Israelite people already were doing work, and he, and he, he put them to work, and, and they, were, they were making bricks, and they needed straw in order to, to, to make bricks. But then we see that, that he afflicted them all the more because he was fearful of them rising up. And, and, he, and he told his servants, take away their straw. And, uh, and they needed straw for, for, uh, for a purpose in order to make the brick. If they did not have straw, uh, they were going to have to go and get that for themselves. It was going to greatly amplify the work they had to do. In fact, so much so that it would be impossible in a day's time for them to get the work done that they were supposed to get done. And Pharaoh knew this. He set them up. He set them up so that they could fail. And this burden was being loaded upon them, upon their shoulders. And it was very heavy upon them. It was around this time when God spoke to Moses out of a burning bush. And he called him. And he let him know what was going to take place. Excuse me. And he prophesied to Moses that he was going to lead this people. And that God was going to, to deliver them. Uh, out from under uh, the burdens of Pharaoh and out from, from Egypt into the promised land that he promised uh, unto their fathers. And these people were very important to him, as I just read in, in uh, chapter 4, verse number 22. The Lord said to, to Moses, he said, Thou shalt say to Pharaoh, Thus saith the Lord, Israel is my son, even my firstborn. You don't know who you're messing with here, Pharaoh. These are my kids. This isn't just anybody. Every, every human being I created is special in my eyes. Every human being I created has infinite value. But you cross the line here, son. You're going to have some problems upon your hands. And Moses explained this to the elders of the people of Israel. And the children of Israel had this explained to them. But because they weren't delivered right now, because the timing of God had not been fulfilled, because the fullness of time, if you will, had not yet come, they still had these burdens. They still had this affliction upon them, and they went to, to, to Moses, and they cried out, I thought you said he was going to deliver us. Isn't he going to deliver us? And this is where I began reading in our, our, our Scripture text. And Moses returned to the Lord, said, Lord, wherefore hast thou so evil entreated this people? Why is it that thou hast sent me? I told you, Lord, that I was feeling inadequate. I told you. I explained to you my rationale that I wasn't the man for this job, so to speak. I'm, I'm, I'm ad-libbing here, but you know what I'm saying when, when God was calling Moses. And he was contending with him a little bit. And then God gave him Aaron to be his, his mouthpiece and so forth. He said, why is it that thou hast sent me? For since I came to Pharaoh to speak in thy name, he hath done evil to this people. Neither... Hast thou delivered thy people at all? And then we get to verse number 
1 of chapter 6. And the Lord answered him, and he said to Moses, Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. Moses, the time hasn't come just yet, but the prophecy I told you before, my word is true. My prophecies are true. Heaven and earth shall pass away, but my word shall not pass away, Moses. You've got to trust me. You've got to hold on to my word. And that same prophecy that I told you before, I'm going to instruct you now, as we see, to tell the people again. Remind them of these prophecies. Remind them what I'm going to do. Remind them that I'm going to deliver them out from the burdens of the Egyptians that are upon them. Now shalt thou see what I will do to Pharaoh. For with a strong hand shall he let them go, and with a strong hand shall he drive them out of his land. And God spake unto Moses in verse 2 and said unto him, I am the Lord, I am Jehovah. Let me remind you, Moses, who I am. You seem to have forgotten. I am Jehovah, and I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob. I'm that same God. You remember those patriarchs. You know the great stories of what God did with these patriarchs, I'm still the same. I have not changed. I'm the same yesterday, today, and forever. I am Jehovah. I appeared unto Abraham, unto Isaac, and unto Jacob by the name of God Almighty. But by my name Jehovah was I not known unto them. Not only am I the same God, Moses, that appeared to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, but in a sense, you're a little more special than they are. You know why? Because you're going to have a greater revelation, Moses, of who I am. You're going to have a greater revelation of my name. In Scripture, we see that God progressively, over time, reveals more about himself, about his character, about his nature, as various different needs arise. And he used his own proper names to express this self-revelation. Abraham had heard the name Jehovah. In fact, he needed him. When Abraham needed a lamb to sacrifice, he came across Jehovah Jireh. The Lord sees and the Lord provides. When Israel needed healing, they were given a revelation of Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. When Israel needed victory over enemies, they discovered Jehovah Nisi, the Lord is my banner. And they received that victory. But up to this point, this name Jehovah in all caps, in ex- all capital letters, in, in Exodus 6 and, and verse number 3, Abraham did not know uh, Jehovah in this sense. He did not experience Jehovah in this way, in this redemptive uh, sense, in, the, in this delivering and sa- salvation sense. Moses And Israel, you are about to to receive this greater revelation because the need is arising, and I see that, and I hope that you can see that this is going to make you yet even a little more special, and you should feel that. Moreover, you need to understand that the covenant that I had with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob is not something that I take lightly. And you have that same covenant. In Exodus 6, then verses 4 and 5, he said, And I have also established my covenant with them to give them the land of Canaan, the land of their pilgrimage, wherein they were strangers. And I have also heard the groaning of the children of Israel, whom the Egyptians keep in bondage, and I have remembered my covenant. Maybe they have forgotten, but I did not go back on my covenant, Moses. The children of Israel are still special to me. Verse 6, wherefore say unto the children of Israel, I am the Lord, and remind them, I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. They heard this all before. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. I will rid you of their bondage. I will redeem you with a stretched out arm and with great judgments. Now I'd have to look back off the top of my mind. I don't recall if if the Lord said great judgments previously uh, to Moses. That's uh, bad on me. I should have looked into that. But great judgments. Do you realize how specific that prophecy was? The plagues of Israel were to follow. The plagues of Israel were to follow. And when he said, hey, Israel is my son and my firstborn, Pharaoh, 
he, he said, let my son go that he may serve me. And if thou refuse, this was in chapter 4, to let him go. Behold, behold, I will slay thy son, even thy firstborn. There's going to be a price to pay, Pharaoh, because I have a covenant with these people. And that price was going to be paid with these judgments. And that, that word was going to be fulfilled at the final uh, of those of those judgments, the final plague, if you will, when the death angel passed over and anyone that did not have the blood upon the doorpost, their firstborn son in that house was killed. And that would include that firstborn son of Pharaoh because he messed with the wrong people. And God was saying, tell them again. Now, that word, as I mentioned, that was prophecy. Let me just say this as well. That was pretty specific in hindsight when he said, I will redeem you with a stretch of our arm and with great judgments. But before the plagues occurred, they simply had that prophecy. They simply knew in part. They knew in part. We prophesy in part. We know in part, we're told in the New Testament. They knew in part. They didn't know everything that was to come, but they knew enough. God told them everything they needed to know. What he was requiring of them was to be faithful, to have faith in him, and to trust in them. And God simply was saying to Moses, tell them again, remind my people that they are special to me, more special than anyone else in the world, more special than any other part of creation, especially so because of this covenant that they are in with me. Brothers and sisters, we are in a new covenant and under a new covenant today. And this, in, in a sense, I'm not more special than Moses. Don't, get my, don't, don't mistake me there, and I'm not saying anyone else here is. But in a sense, we are. We have a greater revelation of who God is than Moses had. We have a greater revelation because of the name of Jesus than what Abraham, Isaac, uh, or, or Jacob had. This revelation, this greater revelation, that name Jesus there were many throughout the Old Testament that realized that even this name Jehovah was not a complete revelation of God's nature, and they were looking forward to that. Uh, Jacob, in, in Genesis 32, he asked and said, tell me, I pray thee thy name. Now, he was speaking to the man he was wrestling with at Peniel, but he was, he was wanting to know the name of the Lord is what he was asking about. Proverbs 30, verse 4, who hath established all the ends of the earth? What is his name and what is his son's name, if thou canst tell? We know in this day and age that it is Jesus. At the time of this prophecy, they did not have that name revealed just yet. Zechariah 14 and 9, And the Lord shall be king over all the earth. In that day shall there be one Lord and his name one. Why is his name one? Because that name Jesus encompasses or includes all the other names of God uh, within its meaning, whether it's Jehovah Jireh, Rapha, uh, Jehovah Nisi. Because Jesus is our provider. Jesus is our healer. Jehovah Nisi. We have victory in Jesus. Jesus is our deliverer. He is our redeemer. Jesus is our savior. And that name Jesus literally means Jehovah is become our salvation. We are sons and we are daughters under this new covenant even as Israel was his firstborn son under this older covenant. I already mentioned to you that, that, that as many as received him, to them he gave power to become the sons of God in John 1. In Romans 8, as many as are led by the Spirit, they are the sons of God. Philippians 2.15, that ye may be blameless and harmless, the sons of God, listen to this, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Boy, does that not sound where, like where we're at right now? Among whom ye shine as lights in the world, or we certainly should. And not only are we sons and described as sons under this new covenant, the church is also uh, described as a bride. Revelation 21.9 refers to the church as the bride, the lamb's wife. There is a special legal covenant between a man and his bride. Uh, a man, I'll use Drake again since I, I see you here. I'm just thinking of a man that's both a husband uh, and a father. Uh, It'd be kind of hard for you to, do, to, to differentiate who you value more who, who, between your wife and your child. There's a diff, because there's a different relationship there. There's a different connection. That's your blood there, your child. Somebody messes with your child, uh, they're going to face the wrath of Drake. 
but somebody messes with your wife, they're going to face the wrath of Drake. There's a closeness. There's a bond. There's a relationship. And moreover, there's a covenant between a man and wife that's different yet between uh, a father and his child. But they're both very important. And we're described as both in the Scriptures. And I simply want to remind us today that God, just as He did in the book of Exodus, He still remembers His covenant. He told Moses, just remind them, I, I remember my covenant, Moses, and the prophecies that I've given to you in the past are still true. My word is true. My word does not pass away. Heaven and earth will pass away. Not my word, Moses. It's true. So remind them of these, uh, of these prophecies. And I want to remind us that God still remembers His covenant with us. God does not forget about that. Zechariah 2.8. For thus saith the Lord of hosts, after the glory hath He sent me unto the nations which spoiled you. For he that toucheth you toucheth the apple of his eye. That's dangerous territory. Psalms chapter 17, verses 8 and 9. This is a prayer of David. He said, keep me as the apple of the eye. Hide me under the shadow of thy wings from the wicked that oppress me, from my deadly enemies who compass me about. That's David speaking, praying to the Lord. And if there's anybody here that has a feeling of being compassed about by deadly enemies, I don't think I'm the only one that's sort of in recent months, I've felt that way, like I'm just surrounded by, by enemies' attack or opposition of various sorts. And I know there's plenty in our midst that have felt a similar way. We can do like David did and ask God, keep me, keep me as the apple of your eye. Because you're very special to him. The New Testament church is extremely special to the Lord. He hasn't forgotten us. As a matter of fact, when I'm looking out among you today, or anybody that happens to be listening online, all five of you, if there's that many. Oh, excuse me, he said one. Four of them turned it off. Uh, that was a joke. But I'm looking at kings and priests, you see. Yeah. King Drake. I'm sorry for not recognizing you, Your Highness, when I simply said Drake or... Brother Drake, we are kings and priests. That's, I made a joke, but we are. It's the truth. 1 Peter 2, 9 and 10. But ye are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a peculiar people, that ye should show forth the praises of him who hath called you out of darkness into his marvelous light, which in time past were not a people, but are now the people of God, which had not obtained mercy, but now have obtained mercy. Now, this doesn't mean that life's going to go perfectly for us at all times. I was reading an epistle of Peter. Peter died a horrible death. So did Paul. So did Stephen. So did James. So did many other, the apostles. In fact, Jesus admonished his disciples that you'll be hated of all nations for my name's sake. But understand the persecutors of these apostles, please understand, they did not get off scot-free. The ultimate end of the eternal part of these created beings. The ultimate end, in other words, of the spirits and souls of these apostles was victory in his eternal life. And that's the same end for you and for I if we continue faithfully serving God, faithfully walking after him, faithfully trusting in him. The ultimate end is unending fellowship with the creator who they willfully entered into covenant relationship with, thereby making them extra special in his eyes. Can we stand? I hope you got a song for that, Andrew. Don't disappoint me. Don't let me down. No pressure, yeah, that's a good one. No pressure. We're the bride of Christ, and we are children of God. In Isaiah chapter 61 and verse number 10, it says, I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall be joyful in my God, for he hath clothed me 
with the garments of salvation. He hath covered me with the robe of righteousness as a bridegroom decketh himself with ornaments, as a bride adorneth herself with jewels. As a bride adorneth herself. Why does the bride get all decked out? Because her wedding day is her special day. As a man, I don't look at weddings probably the same way that, that young girls do, especially. Young girls dream about their, their wedding day because it really is their day. They are the center of attention. When the groom comes to the front, nobody stands up. I've heard a rumor that if that ever happens to be me, people will stand up, but they'll turn their backs and face the opposite wall. Sorry about the foolish jokes again. But it's the bride's special day. It's a big day. It's a huge day. And she's going all out. She is getting decked out because she wants to be beautiful for her husband, not for anyone else. That's who she's thinking about, is her husband. She's the center of attention, and she is extra special to that groom. Maybe nobody cares when he walked in, but just like everybody else, you better believe his eyes are going to be affixed on her when she's walking down that aisle. Where's Brother Mike? Oh, man. Well, Brother Scott, looking as only she can look. I was, I was channeling Brother uh, Ric Flair. I'm saying brother by faith. But she is extra special to the groom who she has adorned herself for. And that groom is longing for that covenant relationship with her that she would willfully enter into. She could get up before the man of God and, and he says, will you take this man uh, to be your lawfully wedded husband? And she could say, ah, no way, you know. Thank God I just came to my senses. God is longing for people. I'm sorry for making light of this. That's just my, I am pretty tired, I have to say. <laughs> and that's my, uh, you're seeing the true me, always having to crack a lousy joke. She's adorned for her husband because more than to anyone else, she is special to him. And as Moses reminded the Israelites of some prophecies, let me just remind us of just a couple of words of prophecy. One from Revelation chapter 19, verses 7 and 8. It says, let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him. This is talking about us as the bride in that sense. For the marriage of the Lamb is come. And his wife hath made herself ready. A special day, a glorious day. She's gone all out. She is adorned for her husband on her special day. She is the center of attention, rightfully so, and the groom has his attention upon her. The marriage of the Lamb is come, and his wife hath made herself ready. And to her was granted that she should be arrayed in fine linen, clean and white. For the fine linen is the righteousness of the saints. We've got to continue being faithful to God. We've got to continue trusting in God. Even if we feel the weight of opposition upon all sides of us, we yet have to continue to have our eyes upon Him. We have to know that His eyes are upon us. We have to know that he, we are the apple of His eye. That He hasn't forgotten about us. That His prophecies that were written 2,000 years ago and some more are as true today as they were then. When the fullness of time has come, these things will be coming to pass. But we've got to continue walking the walk of faith. We've got to continue walking that walk of holiness and righteousness and sobriety because that is the way that we will be all decked out the whole nine yards for the bridegroom. And I want to remind us of one other prophecy and this is in regard to us as children, sons, as the scripture says. And this is in 1 John chapter 3, in the first two verses. It says, Behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, 
What manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon Do you realize how special you are to Him? I hope that point has, has, has gotten across. What manner of love the Father has bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not, because it knew Him not. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be, but we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. I want to be like him. I want to be like him. I want to be ready for him when he comes. I want to continue to be faithful to him. When it feels like there's opposition, all around me, when it feels like there are enemies that are attacking, we've got to know that we still are the apple of his eye. Although everything might not be rosy, everything might not going exactly as smooth as we hope on the job, everything might not be going exactly as we wish with our physical health, maybe uh, financially, uh, in, in other ways, maybe, maybe issues with, with friends or even family members have arisen and you're just feeling attacked from the enemy or spiritual attacks. The devil's been getting awfully creative, it seems to me, with the way he's been attacking people in recent months. Awfully creative. But let me remind us tonight, we serve the great creator. Do you love him tonight? Oh, hallelujah. Will you just lift your hands and worship the Lord and say, begin to sing here. Worship the Lord right now. Give him praise, worship him. Tell him you love him tonight. Tell him you trust him and that you're going to continue to follow after him. 